0: Listen to season two of Crossing the Enterprise Chasm, hosted by WorkOS founder, Michael Greenwich. Learn how top startups move upmarket and start selling to enterprises with features like single sign-on, directory sync, audit logs, and more. Visit WorkOS.com slash podcast. Make your app enterprise-ready today.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Stack Overflow podcast. My name is Cassidy Williams, and I'm one of your regular co-hosts, along with Siora Ford. Hey, Siora. Hey, how are you? Oh, I'm good, just vibing. I am very excited about today's episode. We have got Fred, Brendan, and Michael all here to talk about AI, open source, and more. Ooh, Ah. hi. Hello,
2: there.
1: (laughs) Would you guys mind introducing yourselves and what you do?
2: That's great. I'm Brendan, Product Manager for the Workers Runtime at Cloudflare.
0: I am Michael. I'm a Principal Engineer on the Workers Runtime at Cloudflare.
2: And I am just some open source nerd
3: that does not belong here, (laughs) but I work on a project called Astro. And we've been doing a lot of experimentation with AI and how it fits into open source.
1: Yeah, I'd love to learn more about what you are experimenting with, because none of these places where y'all work are AI companies, but it kind of speaks to the fact that AI is definitely kind of slithering into all of these different industries and and making cool things, and, and devs are, are building really interesting stuff with it.
3: I can maybe start, because I think Brendan and I started talking about this a bit when we launched something called Houston. So I think as, as far as I know, no one has ever called me on this, but I, from my research, I believe it to be true, we were the second open source project to ever create a chatbot for open source. So the idea of a place you could go to ask questions and get like an AI-powered chatbot trained specifically on your docs. Langchain is the only project I know that did that because obviously that's like one of the big things they do. They're big AI tool. That's
1: what they do. (laughs) Makes sense (laughs) that they would
3: be first, but we were honored to be a second launched it kind of big fanfare. We blew through our budget and, you know, took the bot down and had to scramble to get more credits from OpenAI. But yeah, really, really (laughs) kind of cool to scratch the surface. And I think, An interesting thing about our project is like, we're not just like, oh, AI everywhere. Like, we actually have a lot of AI, what maybe I'd call like skeptics on our team. And so we're really like very carefully, I think, or at least with a very kind of open mind, trying to figure out like, what are the problems this is solving? Like, it's not just AI for the sake of AI. But a couple months after that, we have a couple of cool experiments that we're running, some that we've built, some that we're actually just working with cool partners. And I think, yeah, I've just done a lot of thinking on how projects, whether like you are an open source developer listening to this or you just care about open source. There's a couple like really clear benefits and clear wins that aren't like move everything to AI. They're just like really cool ways that they can kind of help the problems you already have today. So that's why I came to this problem. And yeah, that's, that's definitely my interest here.
0: What's really cool about the open source aspect is that I saw Houston AI, maybe Brendan gave me a heads up, I can't remember, and then immediately uh, cloned it internally at Cloudflare, called it Austin AI, and uh, <laughs> trained it on our docs. Um, I also saw, I think it was Pete Hunt had a blog post about doing doing the same thing um, of Dagster slash Facebook fame. And yeah, it was really cool to get that that gratifying feeling of, hang on, this just works. It was, yeah, it was awesome.
2: Yeah. We've been exploring a lot in this space, especially because people, people are coming to Cloudflare all the time trying to figure out how to build on workers and To me, what's really struck me is the importance of examples, and like how if before AI, you know, having a great example had this much leverage, it just it that just increases exponentially now. Those are the examples that are kind of powering all these tools.
1: It reminds me of a blog post that I read by Rach Smith, who works over at Codepen, and she was saying, "I don't need a fancy AI assistant. I don't need AI to do all of my problems and, and solve all of my problems for me. I just want really good search." And if AI can help me with really good search of anything, I'm, I'm sold on it. And, and I, something like this, I think, is a perfect example of that, where you're able to ask questions and get the answers that you need based on something that exists and having that source of truth rather than something that's very hallucinations driven based yeah. on yeah. arbitrary data. Well,
3: so that was kind of the wild thing that we learned like with that Houston project was realizing, like, okay, you ask Houston a question and it gives you the wrong answer it got that wrong answer because it read your docs. It's actually pretty smart. It's good at reading, but if it gives a wrong answer, usually that means your docs are either unclear and it's having a guess or your docs are maybe even contradictory. It's like, it doesn't know the answer because two different things say two different things. The information's missing. It's. And when we first launched Houston, even internally, we're like, Hey, check this out. This is something that's really cool. Like it was, you know, one of those like classic 3am hacking projects. I think our (laughs) docs team, like the first thought was like, wait, are you trying to like replace docs with some dumb bot? Like, it was actually like a right. very like, what do you think we do here? Like you think a bot can replace like all this time and energy that we put in like the love and care yeah. and realizing that no, that's totally, it's not a replacement. It is actually a validation of your, your docs. Like if it has a wrong right. answer, that means your docs have a wrong answer or an unclarity, uncertainty. And it's actually this, we now totally have flipped that thinking. It is a linter for docs, but conceptual, not just, you now. are you formatting it correctly? It's a conceptual linter. And that has been, I think, one of the coolest like mind flips for our team. Yeah, this auditor
2: that you can ask questions to.
4: Yeah, I think it's interesting how this is a great example of how AI can enhance the work that you already do. I think a lot of people think of it as like, like you said, like replacing whole teams, whole industries, things like that, which is like very doomsday-ish and scary for a lot of people. But I think if we kind of shift away from that mindset about like, oh, AI is going to place developers in 10 years, developers won't even exist, stuff like that, and look at it as a tool to help us do our work better. That is like a much more realistic and more positive and probably better perspective to have. I heard you earlier, Fred, mention like having this mindset and wanting to use AI as a tool and wanting to use it for good. I want to hear more about how you kind of reached that conclusion and more about that mentality.
3: You know, I have a very like narrow frame. Like, I've been doing open source for like a decade now, so I see those problems. I see you know so much of our industry is built off of people working for free, and burnout is such a problem. Like, this is not like you know there there are worse, bigger problems in the world, but like I, I see people who are kind of burning themselves out all the time, and our support team, I think, kind of suffers from that, or at least has always had that problem. Like, our project is big now; we have maybe fifty support questions come in a day, and like if you go to that channel, it is chaos. Mm-hmm. It is. Like, you know, questions coming in, week. people. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is. I don't know how anyone survives. Like as someone who's done that, it is uh, a torrent, and it's never ending. And I'm sure customer support, other kind of service jobs, you know, we're lucky to have a great volunteer staff, but there's, there's real burnout there. And I think that's the kind of thing where like I open source and and so much of what we do, there's, there's always more work to do. I think this is one of those things where it can like, yeah, it's not going to like, I think solve every problem instantly, but this idea that it can be a really good line of defense. That's kind of been the second big insight is like support is actually a really good place to start because you're getting a user who's stuck. Like you're not like gonna hallucinate a docs to someone who otherwise would have been fine and you actually send them in the wrong direction. At this point, you have a user, they're stuck, they're in trouble, and they're coming to you for help. There's this really nice like first line of defense that a, a bot like that can kind of power, which is, hey, listen, this might not be the perfect answer, but it's better than nothing. And if you still need help after this, this can, you know, basically make it so that the people, the actual people in this channel have less high priority things to look at, they'll get to yours actually sooner because there's a spot helping out with the easier stuff that's answered by our docs. So yeah, I don't know if I would like call that for good. I I don't know if I would go that far, but like burnout is just such a problem in our industry. It's it's really cool to see these tools like cutting out some of the busy work while still letting the same people now do more with less.
0: Yeah, and I think that the questions that the users would then be asking would already be honed and shaped and a little bit more to the point rather than just open-ended. Um, by the time they...
1: Why is my code not... Yeah, yeah
0: exactly. <laughs> yeah, you ask you ask that to, to chat GPT and then and then come to us.
1: My, my company contender, we turn videos into text and summarize things. And we made one where uh, we call it Conf Brew, where you can put in a playlist of videos from a conference and then you can use this other platform called Mark Prompt. We we smushed them together and it creates a and a bot based on conference talks. And it's it was a very similar thing to where we're thinking, how can we use this so that way it's for the good of the community? They can still ask questions about this conference, but if there's a multi-track conference and you want to go to one talk over another, you can still be able to ask questions without Figuring out how do I hound down this speaker or how do I reach the organizers and then get to this point and then get to this point and can just be a tool that saves time.
4: Yeah, this is so refreshing for me. I just kind of had that mindset, like being very wary of AI and cautious about it and a little bit like, I don't want to say scared. (laughs) (laughs) It's fair to be scared, but (sighs) yeah. And wary is probably the best word for it, like extremely wary. Yeah, there's a lot of unknown unknowns there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, and unknown side effects and people get affected in bad ways, but it's nice to hear about like AI actually being used for legitimate needs and helping people instead of hurting people or instead of affecting people's livelihoods, it's helping them do better at their jobs. I like to hear that kind of thing. That makes me feel more like, okay, maybe the future with AI isn't going to be so terrible, you know? So yeah, that's nice. Yeah.
3: The uncertainty is also like such a whiplash level. Like the full circle kind of funny story. So it started with the docs team being like, why are you trying to replace docs? Like, what are you doing? AI is coming for docs next. And then like a week later, they found this project, which is it writes code based on docs. So actually flip it. Now docs <laughs> is the only type of developer anymore left. Like everyone's going to write beautiful docs and then the code will be written. like Every week it's like, no, you're losing your job. Okay, no, you're actually the most important person. <laughs> when the robots rise up, you're the only one that'll be left. There's a lot of fear there for sure. Even if it's, it feels not real and, and silly, it's still, I think behind that is a lot of uncertainty about what comes next.
4: Like you're mentioning, you think like, okay, is my future, is my career like a stake because of AI? But I I think the way that you guys are building is a much more realistic way of what the future is going to look like, which is not necessarily that like developers won't exist anymore. Doc writers won't exist anymore. It's more so that it's going to just help us do our jobs better, which I I mm-hmm. like that a whole lot more than it replacing humans doing like real work.
1: It reminds me of a study that I was a part of. I think I've actually talked about it on this show before where uh, I'm a very active Go player. I try to play every day. And when Alpha Go came out, so many players were like, what's the point of us ever playing again? This bot will always be better than us. <laughs> But we were a part of this research group and stuff asking questions about it. And a lot of the conclusions that people were realizing was if we use this bot as a tool rather than as this thing that we'll never achieve in our own brains, then it's something that can only make us better and play differently. And there, there were all of these moves that the bot were making that, like... I had a go coach at one point where she was saying typically this is how you would respond in this situation this is how it was for about 400 years and then alpha go happened <laughs> and now this is the proper response and and it's wild how it, it was wow. literally hundreds of years of knowledge changed
0: and when you look at the graph of like Elo ratings it's like done yeah. this little spike now like, like- people
1: just Got better.
0: Humans' writings have just suddenly gotten better. It it kind of
1: makes you think in a way that isn't just, this is how it's been, this is how it should be. It it kind of thinks about problems in a very different way. And so I, I think the tool perspective, I think, is the way to think about it. And that's also kind of how you can vet products too and be just like, is this a product that's going to be a useful tool to help us do our jobs better or help us learn better or do something? Or is this something that's ripping off of someone?
2: All right,
0: everyone, our annual developer survey is launching today. Last year, we had insights from over 73,000 developers, insights about the most loved and loathed programming languages, how technologists learn to code, what impacts developer productivity at work, and much more. So let your voice be heard by taking our 2023 survey. The link is in the show notes. Make sure you go check it out. We want to hear from you.
4: So I want to hear if anyone here has like more ideas or use cases for AI in a way that it'll be used as a tool to help instead of, like Cassidy said, ripping people off.
2: I haven't seen as much about helping people write tests or testing frameworks that are really like baking it in Mm. as a first class citizen, because that seems like an interesting, you know, there's been people who have built whole ways of running engineering organizations based on test driven development. And maybe I'm not paying attention to their projects, but are there other interesting things out there?
0: You know, given given the sort of examples that we've seen of how people have, you know, maybe fed ChatGPT a schema or something, and then say said build something off of this. I think I think that those sorts of problems are, are ones that it actually should be quite good at. Is like, here's some code. Go generate some some basic tests for me because I really can't be bothered, but I know that I need them. So. Do that work for me, please.
2: Or let me scaffold out some tests and then yeah. show me potential examples of how I might build this.
3: That's where I feel like maybe I'll use the autocomplete, but like that was old news a year ago. Now they have like, oh, we'll like reformat your code for you. We'll add comments. I have like never clicked any of those buttons ever. I'm like embarrassed to admit it because I like think it's so powerful, but I never actually stop like ask AI to do anything like that. Like it's not a part of my workflow yet. There's going to be this AI thing that's just running on your code base. And instead of like it's in your editor, it's more like it's submitting PRs to your repo being like, hey, I found this code is confusing. Or, hey, this dependency, not only are we going to update the version, but we're actually going to change its usage to match the new docs. Like there's all this kind of busy work on the side of... Wait, you mean like Dependabot?
0: Because, <laughs> man...
3: I don't know if we, yeah, imagine, that well. so we- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that's I'm sure that's literally the reason they haven't done it yet, is like 20 AI generated PRs and everyone's just like, oh, this is the worst. Um, yeah, yeah. I think there's a real cool and then like risk there, which is like that's also like where as the person who got into the, an industry of open source, like that was kind of how I got my first PRs. Like I refactored code, I like fixed a dumb bug. And that's actually mm. a fear for me: is how do how does this affect people coming into the industry? Like if they can use AI as a tool, that's great. But where do we get, what happens when we start to automate the use of AI even?
0: Maybe it helps though. Maybe it it helps people who are a little bit like, oh, I want to contribute this thing to this repo, but I really don't want to seem dumb. Chatbot, can you tell me if this like PR would make sense? Or can we chat about it? And like, you let me know if I could write it in a better way or yeah, it, it it may help out with things like that as well. Lower that barrier to entry. Yeah, there's a good chance I'm like old man treats with clouds.
1: <laughs> I wanted to lower that barrier to entry. That That's a question that I get very often from junior developers saying like, is it going to replace the juniors and only seniors will get value out of it? Uh, and That kind of stuff. And I don't think that's true, but it's still one of those things where I think we have to educate people and show people how, again, it is a tool and not a thing that you should just rely on to do all of the stuff for you. It, it kind of reminds me of when I started taking like proper computer science classes, I was used to writing Java in Notepad and then hand compiling it and then seeing if it worked. And I remember when I started using an IDE that had autocomplete, I was like, well, this is cheating. Anybody who uses this won't memorize the commands. Now I love autocomplete so deeply, but I think it's (laughs) AI is, or at least LLMs, these large language models, it is really just super good autocomplete right now. That's really, really smart autocomplete. And I think if we use it as something that can help us and not just a crutch that we rely on fully and we don't think of the logic for ourselves, I think that's where it can be this valuable tool that does help us contribute to open source more, that that does help us learn better, that does get rid of a lot of that busy work so you can do something more interesting
0: we built one on on workers to do i mean it essentially does what the the doc spot that we were talking about does right where it it can go retrieve your documents you know and, and there are plenty of plugins out there like that that can do interesting things but something where it can it can be a little bit more than than what it is at the moment but in a very like code specific way and i don't know fetch information about the API using or whatever.
3: I can't remember which uh, which book it is, but there's like a class, is it pragmatic programmer where it's like, yeah, there's gotta be some comfort found in history where it's like a developer team used to be like one person coding, one person behind them reading the docs manual, <laughs> another person behind them that would like go run to the other room to ask someone a question. Like it was like the Starship, like control command center. And I'm sure like at that point when someone like, you know, when the internet came along and Google, it's like, oh, but I got my start in the industry being the person who ran into the other room to ask someone a question, like, how will I ever break into the industry? There's probably, it's probably all going to be okay, but it's, it's still scary.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And I think there is also like a lot of fear mongering, unfortunately, but what I'm gathering from this conversation is that I feel like AI is going to be much more like how we have all these different products and services out there that, do the busy work of starting a project or creating a project, handle the things that we don't necessarily really want to do, but it's not necessarily totally replacing a developer, right? So I think that's the the direction that AI is going in. And like I keep saying, I'm like happy to hear that <laughs> because the fear mongering can be very convincing and it can like shake you up a little bit. And
1: And I think it's particularly hitting us as developers now because it's so hype training and prevalent and stuff but i feel like every hype train that we've seen there's always some element of fear-mongering where it's like web 3 is going to replace all communities crypto is going to replace all currencies no code is going to replace all developers like there's there's always something to that effect yeah
0: there are definitely people vested in some of this fear-mongering for sure and and a little bit like my project is the best because it's going to replace this, 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 and this. And it's like, well, is it? <laughs> yeah.
1: I do think, though, that with all of this being said, again, there's so many useful applications. And, and again, treating it as a tool is is key. One thing, speaking of Copilot, that I've been experimenting with is that new Copilot for PRs that came out. It kind of reminds me of what Fred and the docs team were talking about, where it'll write a description for your PR based on the code changes and if the description is wrong we can be like wait a minute that's not what this code does oh no and mm-hmm. like we we've actually caught a couple things that we probably shouldn't have committed or or things that we should change because the description it provides is just off enough where we have to double check ourselves it's cool
0: it makes that feedback loop quicker right like i guess if, if you compare it with seo or something like that where you're kind of like okay we want to improve our docs so that people can find the right thing but the the feedback loop for that is massive you know months or something you you maybe write things in a way that you think is better and then you know months down the track you find out okay all right maybe we try this other thing whereas the feedback loop now can be like okay and it's not exactly the same, you know, but it's still very similar. Where it can be like, okay, what does yeah, what does Copilot or ChatGPT think when it's given this information? Oh, hang on, it's like, oh, imagine yeah, just getting dunked on.
3: Where it's like, description. I don't know. This is so- <laughs> I don't know what you did here. You figure it out. Oh, there
1: it Where's has like, a yeah. it has a poem generator where it writes a poem based on your code changes, just as like a fun thing. Which has been fun, but then at the same time we're just like, is it roasting us? There's some of this is just like, <laughs> this is some old legacy code, and, and and just time to convert to a new mode and just funny little rhymes <laughs> like
0: that. That was a very good robot voice. A, a new <laughs> mode. Cassidy is a robot. She's not. <laughs>
1: I've been caught. <laughs> that was actually something where this is totally off topic. I used to I used to work on the Amazon Echo. I'm not going to say the name because I have one behind me that will wake up. But they had me do the Midwest accent. A lot of her listening is based on my Midwest accent where I had to read a bunch of test sentences. And so I am a robot. It yeah. is <laughs> so funny.
0: <laughs> yeah. I saw today that Amazon's released a, a chat GPT or they're releasing a... They're finally getting in on a fray. I was wondering what was going to take them so long. Bedrock, I think they're calling
1: all the companies getting in on all the hype trains.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's interesting to think, certainly at Cloudflare, there's a bunch of stuff that we just can't use, you know, open AI for. And I'm sure that's true for many companies when you have internal proprietary stuff. And um, this is obviously the opposite of the open source world. But yeah, it's really interesting to see that space blossom and it's still very much in its infancy
3: so can we all say on the record, right now in this podcast, when is Cloudflare releasing its own AI <laughs> platform?
0: Well, we are, we are releasing something, but it's not quite that. Oh. We're, we're, mm. No, we're, de- we're definitely, I mean, we're looking at a few angles. The angle, you know, one thing that we're very good at, obviously, is being close to where people are and running more lightweight sort of things. And a lot of the time, you don't need these huge, large language models. I mean, the sorts of stuff that we've been talking about so far, yeah, you kind of do. But if you're, I don't know, if you're if you're just wanting to do a sales forecast or something like that and you want to you want a little machine learning model for that, that's the sort of stuff that um that we're looking at providing.
2: I know that um looking on the Stack Overflow podcast, you had Matt Butcher on pretty recently to talk about WebAssembly. And that's a space that we're spending a lot of our time focusing on is You know, how can we do model inference in in WebAssembly at our edge in interesting ways for some of these smaller models? How do we make that easier? How do we, you know, increase the kind of uncap the limits? You know, I think historically people think serverless. They think about the edge and they think that that's associated with just being constrained. And how do we kind of shake that notion a little bit, give you a little bit more compute power to play with?
1: Well, all this being said, thank you all so much for being on the show. We would like to shout out a community member for winning a lifeboat badge. For anybody who doesn't know, a lifeboat badge is someone who has an answer score of 20 or more to a question score of negative three or less that goes on to receive a score of three or more on Stack Overflow. And this one is awarded to the nail for if return versus if else efficiency. We will link it in the show notes. See if you can learn something about that.
3: Definitely a bot. 100% <laughs> a bot.
1: <laughs> All that being said, I've been Cassidy. You can find me at Cassidoo,
4: C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O. I'm CTO at Contenda. And my name is Ciara Ford. I'm a developer advocate at All Zero by Okta. You can find me on Twitter. My username there is Ciorio. that's C-E-E-O-R-E-O underscore. And I also have a website slash blog called Ciara.dev.
3: My name is Fred Schott. I co-created Astro, which is a framework for building websites. If you're a web developer and you haven't heard of Astro, check it out. Astro.build
2: is the website. I'm Brendan Irvine-Broke, product manager working on workers. My Twitter is my last name, but that's pretty hard to spell. Um, but check out workers.cloudflare.com.
0: And uh, my name is Michael Hards. I'm a principal engineer at Cloudflare, and my Twitter handle is Heikelmart.
1: All right. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye!